You'll love this one, Pete. So we've used Nelson Sauvignon hops, which give a slight aroma. Oh. And a makes slight a beer, aroma? And makes a beer incredibly <laughs> Band-Aids and BO, depending on <laughs> how A slight but aroma the, of hey. what? <laughs> Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryer Malt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryer Malt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and proud sponsors of Brews News. In particular, this, which is Good Brews Week, the podcast that grabs the coronavirus by its skinny neck, shoves a wedge of lime down it, and then ridicules it mercilessly. I am your host, Pete Mitchum, and joining me... This is going to be a long one, so strap yourselves in, folks. Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Morning, Pete. But I know you want more. <laughs> um, so we've got uh, Boom Boom and the Gopher. I figured we might go with the... Um, no, we're not the morning crew, mate. You know, we're, like we're a, a serious a, an FM radio <laughs> breakfast show. Who even is no, that? No, no. Claire Boom Boom Burnett. Oh, hey, Pete. And Jimmy Gopher Gold. Yeah, that's you it. See what I did? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because right, he runs. I'll take it. Yeah, thank you. That's <laughs> great. Do, it? Yeah, yeah. I like nice. mine best, though. I think I've got the best nickname. Yeah, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Work, work on Favoritism that one. Thanks, in action. That's a work in progress. Well, you know, it can it can develop. But um, thanks for joining us, guys. Um, now you are all. I, I should point out, I'm down here in um, sunny Melbourne. It's absolutely beautiful down here. Thirty degrees today, not a puff of breeze, and it's beautiful. And uh, you three are up there in um, the Bruce News offices in Brisbane. Yeah, and it's bloody freezing. Is it really? It's well chilly. That's well, no, that's the aircon though. It's <laughs> the aircon. It's a bit cooler today in Brisbane, but and rainy and rainy, and so we're in a new office, um, which has allowed us to get all four, well, all four of us on the uh, podcast at once. Excellent. Let's see uh, how unwieldy we can make that. Um, now, how's our week been? Did anyone get to the Kingdom of Beers? Uh, I did indeed. I did. Yeah, I popped in. It was a uh, yeah, good good turnout. From what I was only there for one beer, but uh, yeah, good little turnout. Hopefully it's it's a, the start of something big. I think it's a, a, a good initiative by uh, the RNA to create its own, I guess, in conjunction with the Beer Awards, which are, have now had their second year, and in trying to build that brand and in, in turn, I guess, um, build some uh, integrity and some uh, knowledge, um, you know, a bit of brand awareness around the various uh, Queensland awards in terms of food and wine and cheese. Coffee, I think, is coming up for the first time, and and beer obviously is um, is leading the charge. So it's good to see that they've managed to to get something that comes in both uh, straight after the awards, but before Bruce Vegas, which I think for you guys does that kick off tonight? Yeah, it does indeed. It does yeah. So as as our listeners are listening to this, it will have been last night. But um, this is I th- is this the seventh or eighth year of Bruce Vegas, or sixth or seventh? Must be around about the seventh, I think. Seventh, yeah. yeah. Sorry, Pete. You've gone off uh, off script. We, we don't have we don't have that. <laughs> yeah, much we're all there. shocked here. <laughs> oh well, I just thought we'd talk, talk about our week yeah, since right. you know since we're all here together. Absolutely, but yeah, look, yeah. Pete. Um, Festival of uh, Kingdom of Beers um, was great, and it was part of the RNA Beer Awards, trying to a little bit like um, beer festivals, um, which are all trying to differentiate themselves. State based awards are trying to sort of uh, give themselves a point of difference, and the Kingdom of Beers was all part of trying to make sure there are good commercial outcomes for brewers to enter their awards. So uh, it, it seemed to go off very well. I think they had seven to eight hundred through for the four or five hour session in a nice little uh, room that was geared for that uh, sort of size. The, the, the brewers seemed to to embrace it in its first outing. Yeah, so yeah, no, certainly very, very the, 
the, the social media that I saw, um, it seemed to be like people have gone to the trouble of, of, of dressing up. There seemed to be a few you know, coming groups and it just seemed to be a, just a, a nice sort of vibe. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and of course, the great, like you say, Matt, the, I think part of the issue for Queensland in the, in the past in garnering the support of the local brewers has been, well, you get money for our uh, entry fees. We get a result, whether it's you know a gold, a silver, a bronze, or if we're lucky, a trophy. But there's really no way of us being you know we we've then got to share that individually through our own channels, if you like, or you know through our own brewery. So it's nice that the um that, that the awards are having a consumer facing um, aspect, if you like, and um and giving some reward to those beers that were judged to have been uh, uh, medal worthy. What we're hearing more and more, Pete, is um, route to market or access to market, and uh, you know, medals can be a little bit like opinions. Everyone's got one um, they, these days, so yeah. So it just gives the, the brewers a chance to get their beer in front of consumers and also talk about their their medals. Yeah, and as I say, that, that's that's how we grow uh, the category of beer, and I think it's a lot easier. Um, you know, the IBA's got its work cut out for it. Um, in terms of lobbying, in terms of advocating for uh, whether it's excise relief or, um, you know, government support um, at, at a, you know, a big level, at the grassroots level, I guess it's um, it's easier for individual states to sort of push their own barrow, blow their own trumpet. And and by doing that, we just sort of increase the, the brand awareness of, of this whole, you know, category of brand beer. Exactly. Uh, now, we'll start off because uh, we do have a fair bit of news to get through, a bit, a fair bit has happened. Um, I guess we'll kick it off with the uh, the sad news that the IBD conference has been postponed, Matt. Yes, found out uh, late yesterday, which was Wednesday for those who are listening uh, the day that this drops. Um, not surprising. Uh, there'd been a little bit of concern. A lot of businesses internationally were... Um, putting travel restrictions on their staff or you know, not putting them in the position where they had to travel, particularly um, if it involved a transit through Asia, um, although that's now spreading more dramatically. Um, so it, 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 they held on as long as they could, and then when they just realised that they weren't going to give sponsors and um, you know, attendees value, um, it's been postponed. So it's not been cancelled, it's been postponed, and they'll be looking to, to reschedule. And... You know, I, I think as we see everything ramp up globally, uh, you know, CBC has been very proactive in communicating and there's a chance it won't go ahead um, and we we really could see um, some major events. Um, Dark Mofo yesterday announced that they were cancelling well in advance even though they weren't impacted but just because otherwise the, li- the financial liability for the organisers was so significant. Yeah, and it increases the longer you the longer you leave it. I guess the more uh, you you're into it for um for the rent, and then you've got to uh, if you do then have to pull a pin. It's uh, yeah a lot more invested, which is a little bit of a shame. But um, correct me if I'm wrong, Matt. IBD conference is biennial, isn't it? So it's every second year. So is the idea that they will run this year's one next year? So basically have them back to back or I would they push everything up back? For, for negotiation. You know, they'll have so, to yeah. go and sort of speak to their financial, you know, sponsors and and everyone involved, find venues and, and that sort of thing. And hopefully Perth can is still in the mix to hold it, um, you know, when it is like it doesn't automatically go to whoever was, was next in line. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, so, I mean, I was going over to, to cover the event, but uh, I'll, I'll still go over um, and uh, just 
shorten my trip and catch up with some of the WA brewers. Yeah, I think um, we had, uh, what did I see this week, the first impact of coronavirus, our garlic at work. We now have to hand peel because the packaged stuff comes from China. So, really? Yeah. yeah. So I think we're going to see a lot of stuff like that. So. Yeah. See, for me, that's an improvement. I, I, I don't know. I've, I've worked in places before, and I'd rather yeah buy buy the garlic in whole rather than. Yeah. I don't, I'm just always a bit sus about it's yeah. Pre-prepared I mean, garlic. It's, you know, I watched my chef uh, hand peel about fifty cloves of garlic on <laughs> Wednesday oh, morning, and uh, yeah, it's it's not as fun as it looks. No. <laughs> no. Well, yeah, and that's <laughs> the interesting. As fun thing. as it looks, it's uh, yeah. But I, I, I think you know, quite apart from cancelled major events, you know. With the shutdowns in China, um, I haven't heard of any yet, but I'm sure that there are brewers who had stainless steel ordered or, you know, even some of the major stainless steel manufacturers um, out of the US um, and Australia, they actually get it fabricated in China. um, And, you know, that can potentially cause some issues for, for the brewing industry when, it, it could affect your uh, opening date, you know, and in, in the meantime, you're paying um, your rent. Um, you've got all of these costs, but then, you know, three, four, six months uh, blowout in terms of getting your stainless steel in. Well, I think we were speaking to Maddie Wilson from the uh, Champion Beer Brewing and Champion Small Brew Pub award winning Moffat Beach Brewery. Um, Maddie was saying that uh, he's got stainless for their new venue, the production brewery that's. Um, I, now, I think it's been released now, but it had been um, stuck on the dock. It hadn't quite made it onto the water yet. Um, but then again, now that it's on the water, you know, you, you've still got the the incoming port, the receiving port. I guess you've got to hope that um, that, that stays open. Because mm. um, like you say, apart from the fact that, you know, you're paying rent on your venue and all that sort of thing, but presumably you've got a brew schedule that says, okay, well, we can start selling our award-winning summer ale, for example, um, four months from now. That might now be six months from now, but you, you might have, yeah, already sort of um, committed to orders and all that sort of thing. So That's the thing. Jimmy, have um, you noticed in, in hospitality declining numbers at venues or at, at venues you're aware of? Not yet, but I think I think we will see people getting a little bit scared to go out. And as it, I think it's, yeah, I think we're about to head into some pretty tough times, not to be a doomsday, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but I think, I think it will. I think the more that, you know, it spreads and spreads, it's spreading pretty quickly. I think we'll start seeing people avoiding big, you know, festivals and, and big venues and things like that. Um, but, well, Jimmy, yeah. anecdotally, it's already happening. And as a hospitality veteran myself, can I just say to everyone who's listened to this, if you decide, yeah, look, we're not going to, uh, we, we won't go out tonight. If you've made a booking, ring ahead and cancel it. Because yes. uh, you've got venues out there who are expecting oh 100 covers. Just do that anyway, but yeah. <laughs> you should anyway, but particularly now. That's just good, um, that's yeah, just good If 40 don't turn up, really yeah. they, they're still um, staffed. They've got the yeah. prep the kitchen, everything's all geared up for, for those extra 40 people turning up. So do the right thing, let them know. Jimmy, what's the feeling with casual – because hospitality is a very casualised workforce, more, you know, more so than um, many others in, in, in our industry. What's the feeling amongst your friends who you know, are, are bar staff um, uh, about the potential loss of income for them? Yeah, I mean, it's fine. We just bartend from home, right? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's do it pretty, online. yeah, yeah, we just do it online. We just phone it in. Um, yeah, it's it's. I was just talking to someone, um, a friend this morning about that, and it's pretty worrying because I mean, if you come down with it and you get quarantined, it's two weeks, I think, minimum. 
that you know you're isolated and you can't work for those two weeks. So yeah, it's it's going to be a scary time. And we yeah we haven't had anyone yet at, at work that's come down with anything. But when it is, it's basically just you know don't come in because we we all don't want to get it so yeah that's it and venues seem to be on like the front line of this as well because if you're going to go yeah. out and you're going to in fact a bunch of people it'll be a place where lots of people gather well, there was a venue on uh on the weekend so fridays, fridays in at riverside which is a massive sort of bar nightclub which would get thousands of people through and they just uh, someone who attended went there on saturday night has just been tested positive they basically oh said everyone who was at Fridays yeah, on yeah. Saturday night for three hours oh God. between the times of whenever and whenever, you know. So, yeah, I think, you know, it's it's almost inevitable, but who knows? Yeah, we'll see what. Radio what Brews News, like. tip of the week for all you listeners out there. Go out and get your working with children check because um, as schools close uh, – then there's going to be people who are going to be needing babysitters and uh, nannies. Listen to you. <laughs> yeah. Maybe all the bars can turn into kindergarten. I love kids. I just, yeah, I do $5 piggyback rides. And, yeah. <laughs> Jimmy back he's, rides. He's yeah, already commercialising this. <laughs> there you go. See? Just turn we those will, red thoughts into adapt. green thoughts, folks. Um, this is where we really uh, learn just how resilient and how resourceful we can be. Yeah. Speaking of resilient and resourceful, our first story this week, folks, um, around a startup which aims to turn brewery wastewater into fuel. Uh, this is a New South Wales startup called Switch2, which has launched technology which it claims will allow brewers to turn their wastewater into fuel, basically by uh, an electrolysis technique, which uses an electric current passed through a substance, in this case, brewery wastewater. It separates out the hydrogen, uh, it oxidises the organics in the wastewater, and the hydrogen can then be used as a fuel to power the brewery or for transport. Yeah, so this is a really cool one. Um, and I really like doing ones like this because... We all talk about, oh, let's be more green, let's be more more sustainable. And I'm just a bit like, but how are you going to do that? How is, are you going to do that Talk in a real-life setting? Yeah. And this could – I'm not saying, like, it's really early days for this one. So it's a bunch – it's like a three lads, the young lads from um, the University of New South Wales, and they're chemical engineers, um, and they've been developing this process. So it's just a really interesting one that they've been able to do it because um, electrolysis conventionally uses pure water, which it takes a lot of energy to make pure water. It takes a lot of energy to um, electrolyze it. Um, and the way they want to do it is to bring in renewables. So a lot of breweries already do have renewables, which is fantastic. Um, again, it's so early days, we're not sure, but it's just great that um, there's a company out there that's looking at ways that the brewing industry can specifically do that. And I love that it's specific to the brewing industry as well. So obviously some guys who aren't in the industry have just been out, right, this is a really good, um, this is a massive industry, it's growing, we see potential here um, to be able to do something really potentially life-changing for a brewery. If you could make a closed-loop system out of this, um, that would be fantastic. However, there are some issues with it. So you're going to have to figure out how you're going to use this hydrogen. I don't think anyone's really set up for using hydrogen yet, You don't, unless you've got hydrogen fuel cells or you can mix it with natural gas to make a fuel for transport or whatever. It's It does get a bit complicated. Um, but, as a, yeah, as I say, early days, so we'll, we'll see how it goes, see what happens. Is this technique specific to, like, is there something in brewery wastewater that isn't in, for example, other food processing wastewater or, uh, you know, chemical processing or, or manufacturing or, or large industry is there something specific to what's you know um, comes out of I brewery wastewater or is that so. just what they're focusing on um i'll i'll ask the question but i don't believe so i think it's just because um the the system that they've developed 
Um, you can retrofit it really easily into a smaller brewery. That It's meant to be small scale, so food production and stuff like that will be a bit bigger. Um, they can scale it up, but I imagine they want proof of concept um, at that small scale first uh, before they start to go wild. Obviously, it takes up a lot of energy, so it's whether that massive food producer has got the energy, the renewable energy, to run that through the day and be able to run that as well as their actual um, you know, operating systems and all the tech in there. So I think it's more that it's a small-scale thing at the minute. Yeah, yep. Uh, speaking of um, tech, our next story also um, concerns another startup. This time it's a, a Byron Bay-based food tech um, startup called Grain Store who are aiming to turn brewers' spent grain into flour. Now, this has been... Well, some of these things have been done before, trying to obviously reuse or uh, recycle the spent grain. But this particular one, um, the grain store founder, Matthew Kronberg, is calling for expressions of interest from brewers who want to get involved in the project. Um, we'll have uh, show notes. In the show notes, we'll have contact details for Matthew if you want to get in touch with him. Hoping to see the spent grain from the brewing process uh, turned into flour for use in food production for things like cereals, cakes, pies, sausages, and bread. It's yeah, awesome, yeah, bread's been a great idea. Before. Can make cookies out of it. Brewery cookies. I'm okay with that. I love this one. I, I use <laughs> uh, I use green banana flour at home because they come from uh, – there's a lot of – in banana growing, they get a lot of bananas that aren't soup for market, so they turn that into flour, and that's what I use at home for my pancakes. So, oh, what yeah. does it taste like? Why is that over – in, in any other form of flour, you know, wheat, wheat flour. I know. Uh, it's it's gluten free. Do you know this one? Yeah. Um, yep. Not that I'm a celiac, but it it is gluten free, so it's a really good gluten free uh, substitute. But um, I don't know. I just saw it at Woolies one day. And <laughs> grabbed it. <laughs> Sounded well, cool. Why I, not? I saw I saw this. Uh, they did, uh, Landline ABC Landline did a story on this because it's a far north Queensland banana grower, and there was there was something to do with. Either the stuff that won't ripen or uh, I, I can't remember what the basis of it was, but I thought, oh, that's a really good use for something that otherwise might have uh, less commercial value. So I think there's something to do with that or whether it's just the – I can't remember exactly what it was, but um, it's good to see that it's made it in – that'll be no more than two years, 18 months maybe, since I saw the program. Um, so presumably it's been in 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 you know the process longer than that, um, but it's already obviously made it onto the onto the shelves, which is good. And as I say for you guys particularly, it's uh, it's local. Yeah, and yeah, I mean this to me it's a no brainer. Every brewery's got spent grain that either you know usually just goes out to a farm. Yeah. Um, it, it's an interesting one because most small breweries are so small that if they've got a like a, a local farmer or some or a farmer who's willing to come in and pick it up on brew day that's got a very limited amount of stock, um, they can get rid of their grain. But obviously there's a lot of grain consumed by livestock. Um, there was a, I, I made a few inquiries a couple of years ago working with a feedlot that wanted to do some beer, fat and beef um, as a marketing thing. And you, know, you pretty much had to get all of the grain from all of the craft breweries in Brisbane um, and the amount of beef you, you know, sort of fattened on that was almost cost prohibitive because you weren't, fattening enough you needed the output of a brewery like uh, forex for example that has masses of grain they typically sell it off to farmers and they tend to be the bigger producers so looking at this you know there are a lot of farmers who do pick up the the, the grain which is a great thing but it, it it is a waste issue for a lot of small brewers whereas um, grainstone is actually looking at 
much smaller quantities um, at, at this stage, and they're looking at buying it because I, I, I presume because you know the, the, the spent grain ferments. You know, it's a hot, wet grain, um, and you can imagine how quickly that starts to mm. ferment itself um, just from the from the wild uh, yeast that are around or goes mouldy or any of the other things that can happen with it. So there, there is a little bit of effort required on the brewer's part, but it, it just sounds like a really interesting, cool alternative use uh, for a, a major byproduct of the brewing industry. Exactly. And the fact that they said that the plan is to actually get their own truck, Grainstone will get their own truck and drive around to all these breweries. So the brewery literally doesn't have to do anything. It just hands over the grain and the I guess the point in that is to ensure that it stays food grade so this will be like a some sort of specialist truck that ensures that it doesn't get contaminated on the way to the um, processing facility um, so it, it has the potential to be an amazing one and I think what he's really asking for um, in terms of brewers getting involved is where he should set this up so he's already got some private investment backing and they've got proof of concept in this um brewer's premium grade flour that they've got that they're sending out to you know like food manufacturers and scientists and stuff and um yeah so basically he wants to know where to set it up so where is where is he going to find um the most amount of brewers and a highly concentrated amount of brewers so he can whip that spent grain to the processing facility um in like a really efficient way and get there really quick so it doesn't start getting ruined basically um and he said as well that uh it's you've got to have a nine a grain bill of 95 percent barley so i'm pretty sure that covers most beers there's only like a few you odd can get ones. a little bit of weight and things in yeah they can have a little bit but of, of uh, other things but i'm pretty sure most most brewers spent grain will be the thing i really love portion. about it pete you know again you said at the start of these two stories that it's very easy to say we need to do something um, or it's easy to wave a placard talking about, you know, we, we need to save the earth. But these are things that are really looking at creative ways to, to do that. And the, the thing I particularly like about the water one is when you hear about a lot of the solutions, as a layperson, to me, they often sound very um, energy intensive. So, you know, to sort of take the spent grain and process it into six-pack holders or, you know, yeah. um, those sorts of things, you sort of think, well, God, that sounds like it's just an extra step. We're solving one problem by replacing it with another. Yeah, but the thing I love about the wastewater one is that if they can actually use that to create you know, hydrogen and then that becomes the power source, um, which is, a, a my understanding, is a very clean power source as well, it just it sounds like we're really looking at closing loops um, on, on how we do it. Which is really a long way to go, um, and you know we're doing a lot of uh, research at Brews News into stories about sustainability. And at the moment, you really can't say that beer is a sustainable product. Um, but when you see these sorts of programs, it's very, very exciting. And and, and the others like the the um, mold, not the mold, the, the algae, algae one from yeah, from the algae. Henry's. Yep. yeah, yeah, that was cool. And cap- capturing CO two and all of those, it shows that um, that there is a lot of impetus to to create. Um, solutions yeah and I really loved um I know you guys have spoken about it already but I know you um I really liked what Richard uh, Young Henry said about look this might not come to anything it might not make us any money it might not come to anything like we might not be able to use it but the fact is that we're actually doing something like we're putting our money where our mouth is we're putting some effort into this and that's the only way you can do it you can't just expect other people to do it and then do it later and I don't think that's a beer industry thing anyway yeah and it's like it's like having um going to the effort of composting or something if you're a you know a venue or or have a kitchen and you know it is a bit more work and there isn't really a financial incentive for it but it is better for the environment and 
you know, cuts down on, on waste and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, sometimes it is a bit of a – you need to have this – your own policy and, and put these things in place and there might not be any sort of direct financial gain, but I don't know, at least you'll get the warm fuzzies and you'll do something good for the planet, which, you know, is probably what everyone should be thinking about these days. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and, and the good thing about ideas is they often beget ideas. So somebody will see that something's been started and they go, well, actually, well, we've got something else that we get if we could, you know uh, – bolt this onto that, then all of a sudden we've got something that is, you know, better than the sum of its parts. So, and like Rich, uh, from Young Henry's, Richard Adamson, uh, it's sort of that old adage of, you know, well, let's not die, die wondering. It might not make us money. It might not work, but at least we're having a crack and it might inspire somebody else to take it to the next step. And just to clarify too there, I, I did, I read Grain Store. It is um, Grain Stone. Grain so Stone, clarification. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Grain Stone. And while we're on clarifications, uh, Matt and I caught up with Chris Sheehan from uh, Yumundi Brewery, vis-a-vis uh, -vis, uh, the letter writer Lee. from two episodes ago, I think, Matt, with the um, it was Lee, um, who, who... Southport Leagues Club. I think it was. Uh, it was a Southside Leagues Club, not Southport. Southside, sorry, Southside Leagues Club. Um, it was actually a ginger beer that they had made specifically and Matt, it was a bit sad, wasn't it? Speaking, and you could you could hear the frustration in in Chris's voice um, when he said, "No, we we had to drop the ginger infused beer that you and I had up there with him that we love so much uh, because people were complaining they they oh, we can taste malt, we can taste well, hops." That, that was no, it, yeah, him, him saying it's not that, sweet enough. It is not sweet enough. And the other, so Yumundi has launched a, you know. I, I a ginger know. beer, ginger beer. But do you call it an alcohol pop or, you know, what, what, it, it, it's, it's alcohol. Well, this one's not because Sweet I think, ginger. didn't our letter writer state that it was uh, it was only a 4.8%? No, because he was saying it was whatever it was, $8.40 or whatever. But it was taxed as an alcohol pop. So it's spirit-based. So no, no, oh, no, no. It's, I, I think it, I, fermented? it's just ethanol or it could be beer. You know, a lot of them are still – but I think it's um, – if it doesn't have the bitterness if, – if it's not a beer, like if it doesn't meet the definition for a beer – right. Um, because of the level of uh, added sugar um, and the level of bitterness, then it's essentially taxed as an alcopop. Because, you know what, 12 years ago um, when they brought in the alcopop tax um, and all of the distillers changed to fermented malt bases for their alcopops, um, that they had to change the definition of beer because those guys are just, you know, looking for a loophole. But anyway, yeah, so I, I, I thought it was interesting, Pete, and, and mainly because... In the big houses, the, the lion-owned Yumundi are responding to the CUB-owned Four Pines or Brookvale Union ginger beer that is uh, going gangbusters. And so it's essentially, uh, well, we need to create a product in that category to match race with them. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, now, speaking of reduce, reuse and recycle, uh, our next story, a good news story, I guess, Yulies uh, is brewing with smoke-tainted grapes. Um, Sydney brewery Yulies Brews is creating a beer wine hybrid, which is using up uh, smoke-tainted grapes from a New South Wales vineyard. Um, the Gilbert family wines in Mudgee um, have provided the, the grapes, uh, around about 700 kilograms of what they deem unfit grapes after the winery's entire crop. Now, this... Oh, no, Claire, and you're the journalist, so just correct me if I'm wrong. But your entire crop decimated. Then decimated yeah, means so they can't, it's reduced well, by ten percent. They can't use any. <laughs> of oh no. Anyway, no. That is the two thousand year old origins of the word decimated. But these days, yeah. decimated means something completely different from the literal translation from the ancient yeah, Roman. Move on, Pete. Uh, well, that's fine. Um, <laughs> in that case, uh, but yes, Pete, you've shown Claire, you know more than Claire some of and us. Jimmy. Your um, wages have just something. been decimated. Yeah, I must have missed something. Yeah. 
Now, are you ten percent down, or are you, you know, oh, hobos no. in the car park? <laughs> See. Words have meaning and the meanings are important. Uh, Yulis Brewer, Tom Davies, explained that it has been a challenging season for Gilbert and that the Sydney brewers wanted to do something to help. Um, so for the wine industry, it means that vineyards across the region uh, and beyond have had to dump whole crops because of the smoke taint from the bushfires, making them unusable in wine. Uh, well-known winemaker Tyrrells, for example, had to ditch 80% of its 1,200-tonne crop. Now I looked into uh, um, a little bit about smoke taint, and it's only if you if you're using a if you're making a wine that requires the skins, you can't use smoke taint. But I think you, it, to some degree you still can if you're just using the um, the juice. But um, but this is great that um, somebody stepped in, and it's the again you know craft beer leading the way to help out. Yeah, absolutely, and I think it was a really cool one because they always said um, Tom Davies, a brewer from Uli's said um you know they've always wanted to do it and they've got connections with gilbert but it you can't just take 700 kilograms or more of grapes from a winery that needs them for their actual wine that year um so a little bit of a silver lining for for gilbert here that they can make something out of it but that's only a tiny proportion of the actual grapes that they're gonna have to get rid of that was the feedback that we got when we were doing our high country um tour at the end of january early february um just after the fires and there was a lot of worry in in the the, the um, wine industry and the grape growers um, and brewers were talking about making some wine hybrid beers, but they sort of said, "Look, it doesn't actually solve any financial problems for the winemakers because we're we're taking so you know such a, a limited amount, but every little bit helps, yeah. um, and it does you know create uh, awareness of the issue. And it, as Claire said, it gives them the chance to do something that, but for this unfortunate circumstance, they uh, wouldn't have been able to do. Yeah, and it might be that a, a new subcategory or style of beer is created. You know, we, we're now another colour in the in the brewer's palette, and it's perhaps something that can be built upon and. You know, it's as, as you say, it's a it's an opportunity to to just try something that they wouldn't otherwise have been able to do, which is great. Yeah, exactly. And um, Tom was saying that he got a lot of help from Topher at Wildflower. I know Matt's done a good podcast with Topher before, um, so that's um, Wildflower Brewing and Blending. Matt and Pete did a good. Oh, Matt and Pete. Mm. <laughs> and, and, and James oh, Atkinson don't give too, him the credit. Be, uh, I'm still mad at one. him for the decimate comment earlier, so he doesn't get the credit. <laughs> so, 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 uh, you're cutting out your. Half a mating that podcast, yeah, because you cut out half of the uh, hosts. <laughs> oh, you so now I think the only thing worse than giving words new meanings is just making up a word and giving it a meaning. <laughs> All right, okay, yeah, that's true. I'll agree with you on that, Pete. <laughs> no, well, Matt's like an onion; he has layers. Actually, Pete, busy um, with just, the just as I'm sitting here, there was um, back to the coronavirus. Um, oh, did you get that as well? Uh, Tom Hanks and his wife. Wife Rita Wilson have tested oh. positive for coronavirus at a Gold Coast hospital. Oh my God, is that what you got? I got BBC President Trump suspends all travel to US from European countries. What does that say about our news feed? I was man? more concerned about saving Private Ryan. I <laughs> know. Live, live news as it comes, guys. <laughs> Everyone can tell that we, we've got a new mixing desk to accommodate the four of us, and it's got a soundboard. Yeah. Anyway, as I was saying, uh, CUB taps into small sports clubs. Um, Carlton and United Brews is tapping into small sports clubs with a newly launched online drink store called Club Connect. Sports clubs can order beer and wine as well as water, energy and soft drinks. On the, I'm, I'm assuming that's energy drinks and soft drinks, not 
energy and soft drinks online, funneling club purchases through the platform. The soft sponsorship program also involves a rebate system, which gives clubs money back for their purchases. The rebate system, Matt, discuss. Yeah, look, Pete, this was an interesting one. that It, it came out as a result of a media release, and it, it, it's one of those stories that brewers inevitably um, put out as, you know, this is what we're doing for the community, as if there's no self-interest at all. Um, it, you know, I, I, I think big brewers such as CUB have seen the um, grassroots uh, relationships that craft brewers are getting out and doing with the, you know at, at the, the local basketball team we had the great um, podcast last year with Jenna from Colonial talking about how these are you know local sporting clubs are great opportunities for small brewers to establish a relationship with their community introduce them to their product and you know and their venue and as we see that space escalate the local sports club which was I think it was Sir Frank Burnett used to talk about sponsorship with Forex Um, you know if it moved you sponsor it if it doesn't you slap a logo on it and you know so when you drove through Queensland every sporting club every bowls club had the Forex sign out the front had the you know Forex stickers around the ground and I think those days have passed a little bit um, they don't have the ability they don't have the sales um, and sponsorship resources to go out and deal with the local football club um, but what CUB has done quite interestingly is with the uh, move to online ordering um, and don't forget they bought Boozebud Boozebud yeah. amongst other things um, and so they do have the capacity, and uh, this is initially just in a couple of states um, and the capital cities of a couple of states as they, as they trial it, where it's a portal where if you're the local football club, you want to get you know your two or three cartons of beer um, just in the fridge for the dads to have you know a couple of beers as a fundraiser after training with a sausage sizzle um, or some wine or some uh, soft drink. You can... Now order that online. You don't have to send somebody up and you know go to Dan Murphy's. You can actually order it online. Um, and if you do that through the portal, not only do they guarantee to match the price that you would get at Dan Murphy's, but you would also get you know, like a dollar a carton um, back. So it's a very small level of uh, rebate without being a contract, but just making it through convenience and through that um, added incentive getting local clubs to order online. So, look, on, on one, you, you can't take anything away from it as a, as a business initiative, but it's definitely gunning for some of those small-scale sponsorships. Yeah, and with the price matching, it makes it difficult because you just say, oh, well, if you've got uh, a suburban football club, uh, football netball club, uh, soccer, cricket club, whatever it might be, and then there's a, a small craft independent brewery nearby, it's going to make it difficult because you, you'd say, well, they could just come in and say, well, look, you know, we can actually offer you a, a cheaper price. But if they're price matching Uncle Dan's, it's probably going to be difficult. It, it's going to – it really lo- – it's, it's, it's about CUB locking in new accounts, isn't it, really? And that's what worries me, though, because I always thought, like, local sports teams would be, like, the perfect place for a – small brewery it would just make sense and when I had a chat um when the Western Bulldogs two birds gauge roads thing was happening a couple of weeks ago I had a chat to um some sports management um academics and they were basically like over in the US all the local stadiums and obviously they're massive in comparison to ours but the local stadiums there they're all um they have local produce there they have local beer there you wouldn't often see a national brand or there'd just be one tap of it or one option for it 
I was quite surprised when this happened. And as, as Matt says, like, as a business decision, it's pretty bloody good. But brewers get in there first, that's what I say. And I, yeah. I still don't think you can get past you know, a good relationship with your local sporting club and vice versa um, because it does give you a venue that you can go to and those sorts of things. The, the, the one thing that we need to follow up on is even speak to the um, liquor re- retailing agencies or the Australian Hotels Association because they've been very active. For example, in Queensland, the uh, Queensland Hotels Association has been actively lobbying against um, some of the proposals that have been put forward to help craft brewers um, with their licensing um, because they don't they don't want the competition with the you know they see the local craft brewers cutting their lunch a little bit because they're providing an attractive offer that people are going to instead of their pub. They have been very strongly against um, the equivalent of a bottle shop or an off-license um, option for the craft breweries because it's targeting um, their market. And it'll be very interesting to see how the QHA or the AHA feel about one of their biggest suppliers actually going head-to-head with them at a grassroots level on a national basis this would be taking away from some of their biggest customers, I'd imagine, or some of their regular customers. Yeah, and don't forget too, don't discount the, the the fact that a lot of these small sporting clubs will be thinking, oh, at least we're dealing with a good Australian local company in, in CUB. <laughs> Do you want to show them their, uh, <laughs> their financials? <laughs> well, <laughs> the lack well of tax. Yeah. funnily enough, we would love to show you their financials, but we can't. Needless to say, it's a fair bet that uh, your cricket slash football club probably paid more tax uh, than <laughs> well, CB. Tax? Certainly, certainly. Oh, if they're a not-for-profit or a charity. Certainly, any one, any one of the uh, people that's spending money there has paid more income tax than uh, CUB has. <laughs> that's right. Uh, now, our last story before we dive into the mailbag, it's fair to say garnered a fair bit of interest, particularly through the uh, the, the Radio Brews News <laughs> Facebook group, and that's the uh, Budweiser's new beer. Um, wrap your, your laughing gear around this particular description. The smooth sensation of nitrogen bubbles is exactly what makes Guinness Draft and Lacalom Draft lattes so irresistible. <laughs> it's less the prickly feeling of effervescence than the sheer silk on your tongue as the bubbles create a whole new texture in the drink. <laughs> what have we wow. got on the soundboard for that? Surely <laughs> there's a... Sure. Oh, I don't know. Don't you just want to rush out and grab that? There we go. <laughs> oh, the crowd goes wild. Now, America's most popular beer brand, Budweiser, will begin infusing its own beer with nitrogen. Parent company Anheuser-Busch has projected double-digit growth in the nitrogen category, and it wants its new beer, Budweiser Nitro Reserve Gold, to take a chunk of that market. The beer is flavoured like a malty lager you'd expect from an American brew, but, you know, with the extra added pizzazz of nitrogen. Uh, Pete, look, funny enough, I, 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 I had shared this... Ten years ago, I would have gone absolutely batshit crazy on the beer mat blog, um, you know, sort of talking <laughs> about how ridiculous it, this is. And it's, my, but as I shared it to, to the group, it sort of said, "Look, last last uh, winter was the winter of nitrogen stouts, um, you know, and every in videos of." you know, Sterling Howland or, um, you know, the, the guys from Four Pines showing you how to aggressively pour your nitrogen uh, beer. It's, as we've seen, the, the, the craft beer 
idea um, evolve and splinter and change and you know that the thing that was once the purity of the Reinheitsgebot um, and you know malt water hops and yeast and no adjuncts and no gimmicks um, these days craft beer has turned the gimmicks up to 15 um, you know so I, I, I included this so saying look you, you can't even uh, uh, he's uh, jaded part. he's utterly jaded by well, I am well, well, <laughs> jaded or you, just you, I think you made the comment in your Matt that it's uh, getting difficult to tell real stories from Batuta Advocates <laughs> stories that well that's the thing I don't yeah. know if that was with this particular um, it was with this article, one yeah so what is craft what is um, because when you look at some of the, 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 the mad stuff that craft brewers are now starting to throw in beers and it's not specifically about pushing technique boundaries it's just about a flavor gimmick that they can do as a one-off thing and it, look again it's business and I'm, I'm not saying people who do that are bad people i'm not saying people who enjoy it are bad people it's business you'd you the, the, the market has evolved and it's um bifurcated it's sort of all of these things you so it's not having a toss-off at it but i'm just saying once upon a time i would have sneered at this because you're coming at it from a different perspective these days budweiser's just doing it almost good on them for you know on a mass scale doing something that you know you could you can't quite call it um being novel um or uh, or jumping the shark well it's it's new for them um as i remember paul hogan once saying when the three millionth person came up to him you know with a butter knife in hand going that's not a knife this is a knife and he laughs along because it's the first time they've said it it. so uh yeah so it's certainly not an innovation (laughs) um but it's new for them and good on them um jimmy how does that work in a venue do you have to mess about Pouring it. I've, I've, yeah, we've had some nitro cans before, and they're not too hard to manage. Oh, they're all um, right. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're not too bad. And it's I almost theater shaking. The theater, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I flare pretty hard at the best of times when I'm <laughs> pouring beers, but <laughs> it's just all part of my routine. But um, do you do you do a little bit of uh, salt bay? Oh, or absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's malt bay is the. Uh, <laughs> Are we going to have to uh, look at doing public service announcements because somebody's going to be sitting down the back of the bar and, and see the barman, uh, you know, shaking the shit out of a, a can of beer. I've reminded of Simpsons going up and buying episode, a, you know, a mainstream where, uh, lager yeah, and doing the, the same team. thing and yeah, just yeah. wetting his mates. Have the paint shaker in the back of the bar. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Did we get sent some samples? No, not if Bud. No, this because oh, this was oh, in yeah. America. I, I saw okay. it. It's not, it's not oh, right. been released here. But trust me, Jimmy. Um, I, I, I did see your uh, post to the um, hydrogen mate um, from Stone and Wood. Yep. Reinvigorate. 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 That's yeah. right. And uh, Jimmy did it. A very sweaty Jimmy posted to his Facebook page. Yep. Um, his. Why uh, so sweaty? Went for a run. All oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I was putting the beer through its courses. It promised oh. to rehydrate me as I, you know, as I needed, and I did a four-hour run and had it while sitting in a flowing river, and it was bloody beautiful. We should point out we're talking about the yeah, Counterculture's latest re- uh, limited release, which is two point seven percent. It's kind of a, yeah, it's it's got a lot of electrolytes, and it's still very much a, a, a for me a really nice. Um, it's a well-constructed, well-crafted beer, but for if you're wanting that lower alcohol and you're wanting the you know 
we're not going to say it's healthy, but in terms of electrolytic replacement and that sort of thing, uh, I thought it was a, a cracking beer. Um, just uh, in my ear, I'm just hearing, we're just getting a call through. Um, the guys at Great Northern, Jimmy, are uh, just uh, claiming a little bit of um, intellectual property theft from your post. Oh, uh, I think you might have had the, the can in the free-flowing river. They said that's their <laughs> oh, thing. Oh, is that their thing? <laughs> yeah. Okay, bugger. <laughs> Otherwise, great post. Okay, thank you. <laughs> now, Pete, just I'm going to throw a quick story into the uh, mix because it's only just come through today. Um, oh, okay, well, hang on. Late breaking news. Get that onto the soundboard. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, can you get that on the soundboard, please? Yes. Uh, I'm sick of carrying this show. Go on. <laughs> Um, a, a new beer from Forex. Forex continues to answer the call of Queenslanders, focusing on the up-and-coming generation of beer drinkers who have been given an opportunity to play a pivotal role in Forex history. Cue the launch of Forex Dry, a new easy-drinking, full-strength, 4.2% lager brewed at the Castlemaine Brewery in Milton. Talking is it called the Castlemaine Brewery? Well, it's a, it is the Castlemaine it's Perkins Castlemaine Brewery. Perkins. Yeah, so I think it's the Castlemaine uh, Castlemaine, I'm pretty sure, is still in the um, Golden Triangle in central Victoria. Yes, yes, I'm sure it is. Um, but uh, Tully Hadley... <laughs> And I do like Tully, so I don't mean to laugh at him. He's great people. He's and, good and, people. And, and he wouldn't have actually written this himself. Tully Hadley, a head brewer at the Forex Castlemaine Perkins Brewery, said, Forex Dry is brewed here at Milton using many of the same quality ingredients as the rest of the Forex family, such as premium Australian barley, not mentioned but in brackets, um, plenty of uh, Queensland sugar extract, not malted locally in Queensland. Uh, we want to give Forex Dry a crisp finish, unlike any other beer that we've ever made. Um, so we've used <laughs> you'll love this one Pete so we've used Nelson Sovereign hops which give a slight aroma oh. and a makes slight a beer, aroma and makes a beer incredibly <laughs> band-aids and BO depending on <laughs> how a slight but aroma the, of hey. what <laughs> anything you put into a beer use, is going to give it a slight words. aroma how about you sort of maybe maybe uh, given it's a clear bottle lager. you had it you had it. You used to make it with Nelson Sovereign Hops. It was an absolute cracker. And you let anyway, it die on the vine. Anyway, so I'm, I'm, I'll be speaking to them in uh, about 45 minutes um, to, to get a little bit more. But just a couple of things out of that. Yes, um, it's a great example of telling the story that you want to tell, not the story that is actually there. You know, We'll, we'll talk about the malt. We won't talk about the sugar because we don't mention the sugar despite our natural beer promise. Um, oh, no, no, no. That was the um, yeah, yeah. Beer the Beautiful Truth. Um, yeah, Beer the Beautiful Truth. We'll talk a little bit about it. Um, we'll talk about how it's made here at Milton when it suits. As soon as we punt it to any of our other breweries in the stable, the way we do with all of our other beers, we'll tell you that it doesn't matter where the beer is made because, um, but, you know, because we want to give this a patina of being a Queensland beer. Um, and just what the kids have never had before, welcome to the dry party, kids. Dry beer. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Queensland's favourite brewery has been part of the fabric of this great state for 141 years until it's no longer brewed here. And not that we're <laughs> counting, Queensland, Queensland's tastes continue to evolve. So <laughs> because they continue to evolve, we're going to give you a style that's been around for 20 years or more and is already sitting in a dozen other of our other beers. But now it's going to be in the Forex brand. Fortunately, no one in... The Forex Marketing Department listens to this podcast. <laughs> or do they? Well, Speaking they of fabric, Matt, do. if you're looking to... Um, rebrand. Rebrand. 
to perhaps perhaps you want to uh, turn your regular beer into a nitro shake the shit out of the can beer, uh, you could call one three hundred eight five two two three five and speak to the guys at Rallings Labels Stickers and Packaging. Why would they be able to help out on, on on this little conundrum, Pete? So many ways, Matt, that we don't have time really to go through them all now. Well, we we could talk about how they can you know provide a new label for your bottle or you know a shrink wrap for your that's right. existing packaging. They'll even hang on to the cans for you until you need them. Exactly. How good are they? They're good guys at Rallings. What's that number again, they Pete? That number again, off the top of my head, one three hundred eight five two two three five. It'll be in the show notes. Keep an eye out for um for Budweiser's new new beer. And for um, perhaps perhaps there's an opportunity for you know the next Bond film. You know, instead of asking for a uh, a martini, you know, Bond could just sort of sidle up to the bar and you know Budweiser. How good would that Shaker, be? An Australian forward. Bond. Imagine that. Never just... going to happen. No, Bond movie never. because it would Sorry, be Lance. James Bond. Sorry. Is, it's just Jimmy oh, Bond. Never say never again. No, no, <laughs> yeah, no, no. It would be four oh, extra. Dry, thanks, mate. <laughs> my name's Bond, Jim Bond, but you can call me Bondy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Thanks, Bondy. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. I mean, and the villain, the villain would be you know, like a Kerry Packer esque. Yeah. Parkour. You only get Bond with a wombat on his lap. Spinning around in a uh, banana lounge yeah. instead of that sort of high back uh, <laughs> and a pair of sluggos. In fact, it would be Bob Hawk in, in, in a, in a pair Hawk, of uh, yeah. um, budgie smugglers with a wombat on his lap. Like this tiny mountain <laughs> budgie smugglers. Stroking his, <laughs> that would blend in with his, his wombat. Anyway. A glass anyway. of Hawk's lager in the other hand. Pete, uh, we, we've, we've gone off the, off the road. <laughs> All right. Anyway. And now we jump into the mailbag. Now, all letter writers will receive a bottle opener and go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor our Letter of the Week. Uh, email from John Bride. Um, your latest podcast uh, where you were talking about cartoon designs on beer cans and I realised something. This is a generation thing. 30-somethings and younger grew up with more adult cartoons available and we also never really grow out of it in adulthood. Thus, why things like Star Wars comic book movies are so popular while the generations before the cartoons were only for kids and manhood, well, I don't know about that. Simpsons, you know, is, is uh, you know, our generation. Well, well so that's only 35 years old. Was drinking a VB, VB or Forex. The whole landscape or pop culture has changed. Thoughts. Now, I'm actually going to throw to our panel of youngsters. Ooh, <laughs> the youngins. <laughs> our, our, our token young people. <laughs> now, is there, is there validity in that? Oh, absolutely. Do you, do you, do you guys... Have you ever seen Rick and Morty or Archer? Mm. Rick and Morty. Rick, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did get a bit worse then, didn't I? Um, but if you show them to a kid, child services should be called on you, basically. Like, that is not for children, and yet it's still a cartoon. But that's cartoons for children, and I, and I guess that's the... You know, it, 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 it's a little bit different to, to my way of thinking, is that you know, parents do try and exercise some control over kids they may go off and, and, and sneak them. I do get John's point, though, Matt, that our generation probably looks at, at cartoons more as something that you enjoyed in your childhood. It doesn't yeah. say you, you don't still enjoy them now. Yep. Uh, but whereas now there's a distinction between cartoons aimed at adults and there are still the cartoons that are, you know, the Saturday morning uh, aimed at kids kind of thing mm-hmm. like we grew up with. But yep. I, I think it is probably do, – do you guys, Jimmy and Claire, do you look at cartoon – uh, depictions differently to say what you think Matt and I might. Yeah, definitely. So I'm going to borrow Matt's soapbox for a second here because I thought just wait while we pull it over. Yeah, please. just take <laughs> the soapbox out. Slide it across, mate. Yeah. Um, yeah. This this is a really good point. So I grew up 
you know, I was born in the late 80s, grew up in the 90s and 2000s, and, you know, we watched, as kids, we watched anime, you know, and anime is pretty adult-focused, really. It's probably teenager adult-focused. And, you know, we sort of, I think my generation, sort of millennials or 30-year-olds or whatever we are, yeah, we watch cartoon and anime and, and I guess that sort of uh, style of thing, like even like Wes Anderson films and things like that are very, you know, uh, of that sort of nature. So I don't look at, you know, I had a look at the, uh, what was the name of the brewery that was under? Lost and Grounded in, in the UK. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, but, you know, I looked at that and went, that's a beautiful piece of art. I don't look at that as, that looks like a mm-hmm. kid's. No, but that and that's the thing. It, like, it, I don't think anyone's saying it's not a beautiful piece of art, and I understand the point that you're making. Yeah. Um, and you know, if you used that branding on, you know, any other product, it would be perfectly appropriate. The one challenge that we've got is that alcohol, and, and what well, my view, it, and I keep coming back to, is alcohol is a special class of product mm-hmm. that you can't. You don't have carte blanche to market it in the most creative way that you can. Yeah, there are limits, and you need to be very careful that it doesn't appeal. That doesn't potentially appeal to children. But, but it's also okay. so. I'm on the soapbox still. Sorry, one at a time, but please. One at a time. It's you know, it's it's also, and that's exactly the point. Is alcohol is you can't buy it out of a vending machine. There's not a point where a kid can choose that can over the, you know, a, a juice popper or whatever. But that's so the thing, Jimmy. Uh, sorry, and I'm, I'm going to sort of just edge you off on the, the, the sidebox a little bit. <laughs> and I agree. Um, there, there, there is a potential for packaging to be taken home and kids to mistake it um, and make it uh, sort of attractive to them. But then there's the other thing of, um, you know, the, the, the old lolly cigarettes, for example, the old mm. fags, when they were called fags, not fads. Um, and you know they were made to look like mm. cigarettes, yeah. um, and the idea was you could mimic mum and dad. Now yeah. those were lollies. They didn't. Um, they, they they you had no nicotine. You had, um, but they normalised um, smoking for children, and you know it was grooming the next generation of smokers. And that's the allegation that brewers are being. I remember as a kid, I me and a friend would get our Bundaberg ginger beer bottles. And we would pretend that we were drinking beers, and this is when we yep. were, you know, seven, eight, nine years old. Because that's what the, the that to me is stubby brown bottle. Yeah, kids emulate the adults in the room. I don't think if there was the option to get the Bundaberg ginger beer and then the you know cartoon character can of something that we had no idea what it was, we wanted to look like and act like the adults in the room. Not we didn't actually want to drink beer. We just wanted to emulate, you know. Yep. And there's probably some other, um, you know. Uh, child-based thing. In now that, that you've but, um, said that, there is going to be a complaint made to FAIR that Bundaberg, <laughs> Bundaberg um, ginger beer needs to change oh, its Bundaberg's bottle. Bundaberg's already been at, up there all the time. But I think there's such a difference between the cartoons on a little fat lamb label to the cartoons on a beer can. I think there's some nuance there that the ABAC rules... But that you don't can't... But consider. that's the thing. And... and, and it, that's the nub of the, the, the problem that we face is because it is so nuanced and you literally can't define when something is okay and when something isn't okay. Yeah. Um, that because it, And we don't want government to try because the law of unintended consequences, I, I, I'll link to an article I once wrote about the 32-page definition of a biscuit because, and just the, the quick summary is the US government wanted to normalise purchasing relationships to make buying um, 
cheaper. Um, so they just sort of went out to market and said, we'll take the lowest chocolate chip biscuits and the biscuits that the bitter one were inedible. Um, and so as they had to keep redefining what they were buying because they couldn't the, the biscuits they were buying were problematic because people always as soon as you define something you skirt it and the last thing that we want is the government stepping in and def- trying to define yeah well, we this want cartoon's that gray okay. area don't we yeah. we want there to be that gray area where you can potentially have a judgment call and the option is that it go, doesn't go your way but then the other one is that you, they haven't said no immediately and that's the end of it. Mm. Slash let's and if people are complaining about account. the ABAC rules, trust me, if there's a, man, a mandatory external guideline, it's going to be much worse than anything mm-hmm. you're facing now. Yeah, we're just a bit anti-government though, aren't we, Matt? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And fair enough. Hey, Jimmy and, uh, and Claire, just out of interest, because um, when you brought up uh, anime um, as something, I guess, that you know, from your generation, that's a lot of the way that you guys you know, digested your, your, your pop culture and that sort of thing. Um, when was the first anime published? Out of interest. Oh. Do you guys know? Anime or if manga? You to, if you had to get manga or anime? Anime. And welcome to anime. I Know More Than the Rest of You, <laughs> hosted by Pete <laughs> yeah, I actually don't know very much. <laughs> no, I just want to no, know. This is just, well, think along at home and, and yell your answers out now as you're listening to this, folks, and then I'll give you the, the correct answer. So, what do you reckon, Jimmy? I have no if idea. You had to pick a, a decade or a year, whatever you want. I'll well, give you, you know, plus or minus five years. Anime, I'd say. I have no 70s idea. or 80s? Yeah. But manga, much earlier. Okay. Claire? I mean, yeah, I don't know anything about it, really. <laughs> I'll put you all out of your misery. Uh, 1917. No <laughs> way! Was what the, was it? The first anime Pete? was published. Yeah, Pete knows that because that was the year he was born. Hey! <laughs> <laughs> There's an anime written after you, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, lastly, Matt, uh, John Austin on the Facebook group, read the Budweiser Nitro. Great comment. Uh, the best thing about Bud is the CO2, right? Unless they've really upped the malt in this, then it sounds like a terrible way to drink Budweiser. Uh, couldn't have put it better myself. Probably time to hit the road and uh, get this thing going. Uh, thank you very much, Matt. My pleasure, Pete. Thank you. Thank you very much, Jimmy. Thanks, Pete. Always a pleasure. And thanks again, Claire. Oh, cheers, Pete. Good to have you all on. This is good. This is like... Yeah, the four pack. <laughs> We've completed the four pack in an environmentally <laughs> uh, sustainable uh, yeah. pack holder. No choke, <laughs> biodegradable pack no holder. Choke. <laughs> That's it. And it's made from fish food, so That's it's it. all good. Uh, and uh, as we do every week, remind you to uh, review us on iTunes, give us some love, and um, thank you very much to all of our listeners for making Brews News Week possible. I've been your host, Pete Mitchum, and we'll see you all again for the next episode. And we're out. Oh, sorry, wrong one. <laughs> hey. nice. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.